4: Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad
3: sunburn? I sure have. My very first Kona, I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Xelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great. I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelios products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson,
2: Lindsey Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone?
3: Oh, that's right, in our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelios products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twix Shammy Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com to get 20% off.
4: And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
3: Hi Haley. Happy race week. How are you? I'm great. I think it's race week for both of us. Is that right? Yeah. I'm just gonna try and fly under the radar again and just celebrate you racing because I'm so excited (laughs) for it to happen. (laughs) Yes, I am racing this week. I'm headed to Bariloche in Argentina, in the Patagonia region of Argentina. I believe this is the like southernmost at least like Ironman branded race on our Ironman or challenge branded race on the circuit. So it's pretty far South. It's even further South than Pucon Chile, but supposedly it's supposed to be beautiful. And, um, like we talked to Romy Palacios-Belena last year after this race, she said it was extremely hard and extremely beautiful, which sounded right up my alley. So Bariloche, here I come.
2: That's super exciting. So I can't wait to see some of your pictures from here. And However, southernmost place to race, it doesn't sound like it's going to be warm. Are you going to get a break in the weather at all?
3: So I looked at the weather in Bariloche and it, 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 I mean, in normal circumstances, I would say, you know, when you're ranging from 40 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. But right now, this morning in Bozeman, it was... 25 below 0. So, I'm thinking, wow, it's going to be 60 degrees warmer than here, so I should be ready for anything. I mean, the fact that it is a colder race and with a colder swim was kind of an attraction to me. Um, I think that sometimes when we have those hard, you know, elemental kind of challenges, I think those bring out my best. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go to this race and if anyone is ready for the cold, I don't know how I could have prepared better than living where I do right now because it is so cold here.
2: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I'm really excited to hear all about this. That's definitely a region of the world that I haven't been to yet. And I'm really excited to get to hear more about it's on like my list and moving further and further up it every year to make sure I get to races there. So I can't wait to hear about it and how it compares to the other racing in South America that you've done.
3: Yeah. I'll I'll be sure to get you the scoop. We have a 10 a.m. start. Can you believe that? That's how like civilized. Yeah. You could have like brunch and mimosas before you even have to go. (laughs) I know. Right. Um, the only other race I did had, has a 10 a.m. Like I've done a 70.3 with a 10 a.m. start before. And that was in Iceland at challenge Iceland. And I needed every second of that for my jet lag. And just because when it is kind of cold, you're like, ah, I'll let it warm up a little bit (laughs) A little bit before I head out there, but, um, yeah, it should be quite fun. Not like your, your midnight starts, but tell me about this race you're doing this weekend. I know you're trying to fly under the radar, but I'm going to pull you out anyway, but does it, is it another crazy trail run? It's in the United States at least it so is. easy travel.
2: Yeah. So if it's just on the other coast, I guess. So easy, relative, it all becomes relative, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, just outside of San Francisco. So it's in Marin and it's a 50 mile trail race there. And pretty straightforward it starts at 6 30 in the morning so it's not going to be a midnight start the trails are pretty straightforward there i've actually i've run on some of them but not all of them there everyone's everyone who hears that it's there is like oh are you gonna run up mount they're like tim i keep calling it mount tim tam because it's like mount tam but i think it's like a long name for the actual name of the mountain but on the maps it says mount tam i think i don't know all i know is it sounds really steep when I look at their face when they ask me that and the like hill leading up to that is called cardiac hill. So I'm assuming that's going to be a fun point of the race. I think we do that twice up cardiac hill. And I think, uh, one of them is at least like a mile 30 or something. So I don't know. I have to study the map a little bit more, but 50 miles, which I'm hoping seems a little bit shorter. It seems like more runnable, than the race in Spain and it should be it's you know west coast trail racing is always a good field a lot of people are going to come out and and run so I'm excited to see how I stack up just a couple weeks after doing the the 110k in Spain I've raced Ironman two weeks apart and quite honestly I don't love that like time gap I think but I am feeling good and I think my body hasn't like gone into that mode where it thinks we're recovering fully yet. So I think it knows something else is coming and I'm, you know, the legs actually bounce back pretty good. So we'll see if they have another, well, I know they have another 50 miles in, and we'll just see how fast I can do it.
3: Yeah. You got like two weeks in between your legs. Are used to doing that day after day at this point, you know, after last summer? So they're like, wow, oh, man, what is this vacation? <laughs> but uh, what do you do in between? I'm really curious just because like, do you spend more time cycling and swimming in between, just kind of give your legs a little bit of a break and recover? Have you been doing much running since your race in Spain just, you know, two weeks ago?
2: I definitely, so the first week I do, um, maybe a, you know, three or four 20 minute jogs and I give myself, you know, a few days off after the race, but then within, you know, four days I'm, I'm doing a 20 minute jog. And when I say that, I think it was really funny actually. So I came back the first time I did a 20 minute jog and I was like, man, I feel like my legs hurt so bad. I was doing that thing where you're supposed to be jogging. So you're just like moving your arms like you're jogging. But like you're, I was, I was walking. Even Ramona was like, (laughs) come on, mom. Like we can go a little faster than this. And so I'm looking at my watch though. And I'm like, man, I am like covering some serious ground. And I get back, I log my workout. I was like, my watch said two miles, Hillary. So like, I guess maybe it just felt worse than it was. And then I realized that my watch was still in kilometers and I had only gone two kilometers and not two miles. And I didn't realize it till the next day when I was going again. And I was like, man, now I'm like covering serious ground. Like what is going on? Um, And then I was like, like my world came tumbling down. I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm still running 10 minute miles.
3: So I've done that before on a treadmill in like in Brazil. I got on a treadmill in Brazil and I'm like, I am flying. And And then I got off and I was like, Oh, that was in kilometers, <laughs> not miles. <laughs> it, but sometimes that's just what you need, though. That's what your brain needs, and like maybe that's a, we can use that as like a, you know, a, tell people to do that sometimes. Like put it in kilometers, totally. think it's I think <laughs> you're really fast. But but yeah. I
2: did do some other, you know, spinning and swimming. And honestly, we use swimming as like a good guidance to see when I'm actually kind of recover, because you know if I can swim like a good sharp. Swim set, then I'm probably feeling pretty good overall, but what can you do in two weeks between races? Not much. So we just have to keep the body in motion and not like totally shutting down. So that's the goal, but we'll have to, we'll have to convene next week after our races and be able to tell all of the, the glory, glorious stories I'm sure we'll have from our days.
3: Yeah. Safe travels to you and good luck and, uh, get those UTMB points all sealed up so you just you know just need a couple more headed into 2020 but um fun stuff did you hear we figured out our winners of our huge contest our yeah. wahoo sweepstakes it ended and we have our winners did do you know who they are this is so <laughs> do you exciting want to tell us I know I do know who they are so our
2: grand prize winner who won the wahoo kicker the Matt. Anything else? I I don't have it in front of me. Uh, The desk. The desk. That's right. So like the full on setup that went to Jessica Dempsey. So congratulations, Jessica. Thanks for entering the contest. And I am expecting to hopefully meet you at a race and you're going to be flying on the bike because now you have the perfect setup to be training for the race.
3: No kidding. No excuses. No matter where you are. And then there was a a runner-up prize, the Bolt Bundle, which was the Element Bolt by computer, a ticker heart rate monitor, and then also a speed and cadence sensor. Who won that one? That – I actually – I know
2: who it is, and I know her. So Jennifer Matro, congratulations. You won – the second place champion, as Ashley would would call you, on the Iron Women <laughs> live coverage and stuff. And so we'll be putting all of that, the Bolt Bundle, to good use with your training because I do coach you. So
3: you have <laughs> no choice. <laughs> what kind of fun you like? Knew someone you coached one of the people who won. Did you rig this, Alyssa? No. <laughs> Definitely I didn't grand prize winner is Haley. Truro. Wow. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. Oh, and I won the first runner up as well, but, um, huge congratulations to Jessica and Jennifer and, um, thank you to everyone who participated. It was, you know, thank you to Wahoo for putting up those great prizes and yeah, it was, it was a great contest. So it thanks was. to everyone. Who and hopefully we'll
2: have some more Sponsor prizes coming from future contests so keep listening for those
3: and in the meantime Haley do you have your Zelios packed for your trip Yes, because my skin has not seen the light of day in a long time, so I am nervous. Even if it is forty to sixty degrees in Bariloche, I definitely will be wearing some sunscreen because I I don't I can't uh, afford for any kind of sunburn as my poor skin emerges from the darkness. <laughs> so yes, I have my Betwixt or I have my Betwixt Shamy Cream and my Sun Barrier packed. and my um, Have you tried their lotion? Because in this cold temperatures in this I don't know if it's the super dry in Virginia, but like I go through lotion like water. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. I need to like bathe in the lotion sometimes. And I don't know if you notice how nice my hair is looking. I'm growing it out again. And definitely the Zelio's shampoo and conditioner has been helping me get that chlorine out because that really doesn't help me try and grow my hair nice and long because my hair is really thin. And so I have issues when I try and grow a long Haley. And that's all I want to do this winter is grow it back long. After the long trail, I had to chop it all off. It was like a bird's nest. And so I had to lose (laughs) it all. It was very sad. But anyway, it's all getting repaired and looking much better now that I'm using the Zelios shampoo and conditioner. And our listeners can get 20% off at teamzelios.com for any of those products. Give them a try and let us know what you think.
3: Yes. Use the code IRONWOMEN yeah. when you uh, check out and you'll get that 20% off. But great skincare products. They're all vegan, cruelty-free, and we highly recommend them for all of your training needs.
2: Haley, we do. We have two interviews. This is yeah, like that's jam-packed great. with woman power because also tomorrow's International Women's Day. So we're really stacking the lineup for everyone.
3: That's right. And we are not answering any mailbag questions this week. We have some to answer. So we haven't answered your question yet. Please bear with us. We'll get to them. We just have, we have two interviews this week. So things are crazy and we're so excited and we just have to keep going. But if you do have other questions, you can always write in at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and we will get to those.
2: And so our first interview that we have is with our very own Ashley Wiles.
3: That's right, Alyssa. Ashley is pretty much a fixture here at iron women. If you've watched any of the iron women live videos on Facebook, you are familiar with Ashley. She does an excellent job interviewing all the pro women at the outspoken outspoken women in triathlon summit last December. She did live videos with almost every speaker there. And I even got a chance to kind of turn the microphone around on her. And I did a quick interview with Ashley. So if you missed that, we put it into a podcast episode about the summit last December, where we talked about who is who Ashley is and um, why she wants to be involved with iron women, but we're big fans of her. She does also um, she's the founder of soul girls, which is a, you know, it's a Canada based program to help get girls into sports and empower them. And her newest venture is actually a book that she wrote and it's called a girl's guide to finding her happy pace. So Ashley's coming on today to talk about the book, you know, why she wanted to write this book, who the book is for and how you can get your hands on this book. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a
2: sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride and every trying moment
3: with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hi Ashley, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi Haley. hi Alyssa, I'm so excited to be here. Ashley, you just wrote a book and it's called A Girl's Guide to Finding Her Happy Place. Can you tell us a little bit more about your inspiration for writing this book?
0: Yeah, it's called Finding Our Happy Pace. So instead of place, it's pace. Oh, um, thank which, you for correcting me on that. Yeah, it's it's because um, I think Finding Our Happy Pace is a lot more, um, it, it's easier to do because you can do it every single day as opposed to kind of looking for one destination. And, you know, like through training for Ironman, it's not always about like the destination. It's really about the journey. And, uh, and that's, so that's what this book is kind of all about. And so why did you want, why do you think girls need this book? So this book is, it follows the journey of this girl called Eva and it's, she's about 14. She's in high school and she is the victim of some mean girls on Instagram. And so she suffers from anxiety and stress and like not being included And through this process, she discovers that she like really just wants to be happy and needs help. And she's so she finds a mentor. Um, She gets paired with a mentor. And then through this experience, she learns these like five life lessons that I feel like I've learned throughout my whole life. So she's going to learn them really quick in this book. And and it's just like a super easy, digestible way of reading through kind of self-help, which will be like really attractive to preteens and teens to like devour this information and apply the lessons right away.
2: And Ashley, many of our listeners are familiar with you from our live segments and from the Outspoken Summit maybe and stuff like that. And they might be surprised that like over the past few months, you managed to write a book, right? Something that some people might think would take like years and like, you know, all this time to put into it. So can you tell us a little bit about just the process and what that was like for you?
0: Totally. So, for the last two years, I've actually been writing a book called uh, "How to Find Your Happy Pace," and it's like my personal journey in in and it was a really shitty experience that I went through. Can I say that? Am I allowed to? Can't remember. <laughs> and, You're good. Um, You're good. Yeah. After the summit, I headed straight to Hawaii to the Big Island, and I, I like stayed in the jungle. And I started doing the edits to my book. That was like, I'm just going to send this out, no matter what. I'm just going to publish it. And I was inspired by Sally Edwards. And, you know, honestly, I think I was spoken. There was like a screenshot of like all the people that were speaking. And then there was me and all these people like had a book. And I was like, what the what? Like, I need a book too. And, uh, and I need to get this done. So I headed to the Big Island. I did all the edits. I finished my, my other book and um, I read it. I read it through and I was like, this is a crappy book. Like nobody wants to read this book. And I proceeded to like digitally rip it up. And I was inspired by like some of the edits though. I had some amazing people, um, listen, uh, sorry, read my book and edit it for me. And, um, some of the comments like really just struck me and I like had this, like, I don't know, inspiration where I was like, I know what book I need to write. In the next 15 days that I had on the big Island, I wrote the book, uh, hired an illustrator and, and that was that. So you basically
3: took a book idea that you took for yourself and then you adapted it to make it more focused for teenage girls. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. It's way more fun now. It's less dark. And it's a it's like a graphic novel, right? So uh, reads like a comic book, like you were saying.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like a self-help guide meets graphic novel with great illustrations. Awesome. So if anyone wants to get a copy of this book, where do they go? Yeah, so because I'm self-publishing, um, and it's all kind of come together really quickly, I've decided to do an Indiegogo campaign. And it has started, started last month, and it ends just after International Women's Day, which I think this podcast will air on, so that's super exciting.
3: The day and, before. This uh,
0: podcast is it's airing the day
3: before International Women's Day, but we'll we'll just celebrate for a full 48 hours.
0: Yeah, let's celebrate all week, you know? Um <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, my goal was to do kind of one full month of this campaign and see if I could fund the book, um, to get a thousand books to a thousand girls, because I think that all girls really need mentorship. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this before on on how valuable it is to have a mentor. And one of the cool things that I found out through, you know, through my research was that kids who have mentors are 130% more likely to have leadership positions in the future. And so when you think about like your like young experience, like, did you have a mentor and who was that? And, you know, even as adults, we still need mentors because it will help us be more successful. And I'm sure like you guys in triathlon, in sport, this applies huge as well.
2: It definitely does. And so, and Ashley, I don't want to lose trains of thought too, because we're going to be putting the Indiegogo link in the show notes and tell people, because I think they, that by going to the Indiegogo and by getting involved that way, you kind of get like your whole package that you present, right? So can you tell us
0: more about that? Uh, Something like the soul school package, what's, what's coming in that? Yeah. So on the Indiegogo campaign, it's not just the book and it's running until next week. It's a book, a journal, um, soul school, which is mentorship for teens all online so that they can access tools and community and guidance. And they get all of that stuff. And so there's lots of different packages, basically from $5 all the way to $10,000 and support levels. So depending on how many books you want for your community, I think the best one is like 10 books and, and Soul School for 10 Girls. And they can get that directly on the Indiegogo, which the, the link is the Indiegogo slash Happy Pace, I think.
3: Awesome. So A Girl's Guide to Finding Her Happy Pace, written by Ashley Wiles. We will include that Indiegogo link on our show notes and everyone has until March 14th. So one week from the day, this podcast episode comes out to contribute to that campaign, to sign up, get their books or get books for everyone. They know get that 10, 10 book package, but thank you so much, Ashley. And good luck with this last week of campaigning.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll just say that like everybody has a girl in their life, whether it's like a friend's daughter or daughter's daughter or, you know, somebody like, you know, somebody who has a daughter and eventually she's going to be a tween or a teen. And, you know, we really need to inspire those girls so they can pursue their dreams. And this is a really good start. Thank you guys for everything you do.
2: Well, Haley, I do think Ashley's right that we all know someone who we can gift this book to. So there is a daughter or a friend's daughter or a boss's daughter or something like that. And I can't wait to hop onto the Indiegogo and get my copy reserved too.
3: Right. Any little bit helps. I think her lowest, you know, commitment on there is $5. So pretty much anyone can, you know, put in $5 and help get this book into the hands of girls everywhere. Cause it sounds like a great venture, of course. So thank you, Ashley, for your help with the podcast and the live coverage. And now even growing more into the world of empowering young women. And Haley, our next guest is a big
2: name. I think many people will be familiar with hearing Katie Zafaris. And I don't even know where to begin, to be quite honest. But let's go back to, I don't even know who else could compete with 17 podiums on the WTS circuit. One win. And perhaps she became most familiar with people when she was on the 2016 Olympic team.
3: That's right, Alyssa. Katie finished 18th at the Rio Olympics, and she was a rookie back then. But now she is a veteran. Like you said, she's been a fixture on the World Triathlon Series podium. And I think in 2018, she had six individual podiums, which is incredible. If you follow the ITU racing Circuit, it's, you know, it's an incredible feat to get on the podium that many times. She finished the series ranked second. It came down to the wire, that grand final in the Gold Coast, where she and Vicky Holland were battling it out for that series win. She came away second. So she has also really done well at the Super League series. And just a couple weeks ago, she was in Singapore at the grand final of the Super League series, and she came away with a win. And I don't know if you watched this, Alyssa, but she actually, like, in the first race, The first day of racing, she outran Cassandra Beaugrand, the French, you know, the French runner who is, you kind of hinted at being, you know, is she the next Gwen and Katie ran away from her on the first day. And then the second day they had this incredible sprint finish, but it was exciting racing. And Katie is showing that she is, you know, she is possibly the one to beat, I think, headed into the Tokyo Olympics. So she's going to tell us a little bit about super league, about the WTS series and about the road to Tokyo coming up next. Haley, do you know what our most popular iron women episode has been so far? I do Alyssa, because you know, I love the numbers and it goes back to fall of 2017. When we interviewed exercise physiologist, Stacy Sims, you are right. And do you know what Stacy Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in mind.
2: Noon Hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project
3: verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch Flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the noon sport in
2: the grape flavor. And our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of Iron Women to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know that's noonlife.com with the code Iron Women for 30% off.
3: Hi, Katie. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast.
1: Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited.
3: Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast while you're at your home base in Santa Cruz, California. I know your time at home is pretty precious before you head out on basically a world tour of the Super League and World Triathlon Series circuits. How long have you been home and when do you hit the road next?
1: Yeah, so we've been home basically since mid November after um, after Super League uh, in Mallorca. I went to Colorado Springs for a few days to do some heat testing, but then since then I've basically been based in Santa Cruz with a few little stops back home to where I grew up in Maryland. And then I head out actually on Sunday. So in oh, in 2 days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's crazy how the time goes by that fast, right? But We're really excited to talk to you about plans for 2019, but since we're talking to you about being home, we do need to ask you a a few questions about your home situation because it's very interesting. Last season on the podcast, we actually talked to fellow pro, Lindsay Jordanik, who gave us a little bit of a scoop on what it's like to live with you and your husband, Tommy, in your tiny home, which is 370 square feet, I think it's been just under two years now since you were first featured building the tiny home on tiny house nation. And we're dying to know if living small has been everything that you hoped it would be.
1: Yeah. So full disclosure, currently we are staying at a friend's beach house, so we're in a <laughs> much bigger house, but it's not because we don't love the tiny house life. It's just in a much more central location and really who turns down like opportunity to live for free like 200 steps from the beach and we are enjoying like flushable toilets and uh, huge laundry machines to us and being able to stand up and get dressed but today we're actually headed back to headed back to the tiny house and we'll like actually move out from there in the next couple of days but everything living there for us has been so perfect just because we're in and out so often but it's nice to actually have all of our stuff in one place and um the amount of space never really feels that small for me and Tommy and it, even we've even lived there like my my little sister came out Lindsay stayed with me Chelsea Burns who's a fellow triathlete like she stayed with us at one point we had four people in the tiny house for a night that was too much four people was our maximum and that Chelsea Burns who was also triathlete she was sleeping on the floor in the kitchen on like a tiny little like Mattress. <laughs> but we got we got kind of lucky on that though because the night before me, Tommy, and my little sister had had food poisoning in the oh. tiny house, so we really tested out everything <laughs> of its capabilities. And I will say, like, it's not the nicest because we have a compostable toilet, so that means you don't flush it away. So like the whole time we're having like sicknesses. I'm knowing I'm going to have to clean it up the next day. <laughs> like, so that wasn't so ideal.
3: Oh, that that's a little rough. But I did actually watch the Tiny House Nation episode. And the whole time I was looking at my garage full of bikes and tri-gear and wondering if I could live without that space and I decided it was impossible. So between you and your husband, how do you, like, do you really only have four bikes? And is there space to store things like wetsuits and bike bags and luggage?
1: So we got for, just because it's easier for us and we, we're we lucky because we put the tiny house on our sister, on Tommy's sister's property. so we have property to put it. So we actually put a shed that we have most of our triathlon gear in. That being said, we have, we do have more than four bikes, but a lot of them are spread out kind of uh, across different places between, we have some hung up in the back of our tiny house. Cause there's like a really cool organization um, back there where we can hang four bikes. And then in our shed, in our shed, we'll keep the two that we use on a day-to-day basis and pull them out because it's just easier from there. And then I have a few bikes in Maryland as well. <laughs> so they're kind of spread out. They definitely have we definitely get more. <laughs>
2: When you were telling your story about being sick, I was like, I probably just would have given in and been going outside. And then now you're saying you're on your sister-in-law's property. And so I'm like, just picturing now your sister-in-law, like strolling over to the tiny home in the morning and like seeing stuff outside and being like, what happened over here? So maybe that, you know, wasn't always the best option, but I've been quite sick. Just one me in my friend's like beach trailer type of situation and that was pretty rough. So I can't even imagine the tiny house life all the time, especially with three or four sick
1: people. Yeah, when we first got sick, when I first got sick, I was the first one, and I just went outside to to throw up, and it, I was just like, "This is so much easier," and it's nice because I mean, we're on our sister' love's property, but she, they're further down, so they they don't <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't mind <laughs> what's up there. But it was actually amazing how for having only one like little bathroom available. We did a good we did a good rotational job. Like it it was it, it was never a huge conflict of both at the same time, which was really Something I'm thankful
2: for. <laughs> that, that always is a little bit helpful. But going back to triathlon, we're recording this episode just before your first race of 2019, which is Super League Singapore. And it's happening next weekend, February 24th and 25th. So we've mentioned Super League on the podcast before, but just in case our listeners aren't quite familiar with this race series, can you break, us, break it down a little bit for us and tell people why they should be watching?
1: Yeah, Super League's been really cool how it's come, um, just, it's growing in popularity and kind of how it's come about. It's just a way different style of racing than anything I've done before. Um, It's very fast because the races are typically, like, very short, super sprint-style swim bike run, but then there's spins on it where you're doing the short swim bike run back to back to back with no breaks in between. Or three times in a row, but you have 10 10 minutes in between. So, like, enough time to go and fix your transition area but not really recover (laughs) completely. And then there's um, another format where it's actually mixed up. It's called the triple mix. And so it's swim, bike, run for the first super sprint. You have 10 minutes break, and then it's run, bike, swim, and then it's bike, swim, run. And so it's just... It really um keeps you on your feet, I would say, but it's really exciting because it's really unpredictable and it's interesting to see how if you change the um if you change how like swim bike run, if you change the order of the um disciplines, like how that affects other people, or the fact that even though they're such short races you think oh anyone who has like explosive speed or is really fast like they're going to do really well but then you have to back that up three times for that day and then come back the next day and do it again but a different format and then also when you add in mixing up the order it's like the brain part of it like i <laughs> gets really skewed too like i've definitely made mistakes in in super league and it's costly because they are short but <laughs> It's just I just think it's a really dynamic way of racing. and it's super entertaining because all the all the races are so short in the circuits. Like our bike laps are one k long. so um, so we're actually having five five bike laps for our little our little race, but it's <laughs> it, it's technical and it's challenging.
3: And looking at the Super League calendar, these races are in pretty exotic locations. After Singapore, it looks like the series moves on to Bali in March and you won races on the islands of Jersey and Malta last year. So can age groupers looking for, you know, some ritzy race locations get in on this action or are Super League events professionals only?
1: No, it's awesome. It's yeah, yeah it's fully yeah. age groupers are definitely invited, and it's really neat because I think one of the greatest things about Super League is that there's a lot more involvement with the community and with the age group athletes. So when we go to race for ITU events, I would say we're more focused on our events, the like professional events at the end, going, and just kind of resting the week before. But with Super League, it's different because you're visiting schools and meeting different businesses and going into the community and doing cultural things to each location. And it's really different because you have to balance your energy in different ways, but it's also really nice because you can have such an impact and you get to meet a whole bunch more people and make a lot more connections. So while
2: leading the Super League rankings, you're also a podium fixture on the ITU World Triathlon Series, or WTS, circuit as well. So in 2018, you had six individual podium finishes and rounded out the year as the runner-up for the overall rankings. That came down to a very exciting race between yourself and Great Britain's Vicky Holland in the Gold Coast Grand Final in Australia last September. Between Super League and the WTS series, how do you plan your race schedule for the year? I imagine something with like a big map laid out and like simulating. Can you get even from point A to point B in time? And like, does it make sense? Sometimes is that part of the logistics that you're working on? Yeah, like
1: one of the reasons I'm still home is just because typically during this time we would go to camp with our team and coached by Joel Filio, and right now they're in Puerto Ventura, Spain, but. For us to go to Singapore from California, we can get a direct flight from San Francisco to Singapore. So it might change a little bit, but not at the cost of training or racing, I would say. And what Super League and ITU have done really well is they've balanced each other. So after Singapore, Singapore is the last of the series. So it's kind of like a weird season because it's actually our final race, even though it's the first race of the year. And then the next series won't until after the grand final for next year so um, we can actually really they're really working well together which is nice for the athletes so we don't have to be like out. But which one are we going to decide and especially leading into an olympic year a priority is obviously the itu races and qualifying for um, the olympics it actually it works really well you still bounce a ton of <laughs> like bounce around a lot just because the races are in such different places but that's one of the good things I would say for we pack up and we leave home for like 10 months or so but that's so we don't have to be going back and forth from race to home race to home but we'll go race in Abu Dhabi and then we'll be in we'll be in Mallorca for like a month and a half before we go to Bermuda and then we'll go Bermuda to Flagstaff to Tokyo so or not to Tokyo but to Yokohama so I let my coach kind of (laughs) deal with all the logistics of things because it does take some getting used to.
3: And Katie, as you mentioned this year, all eyes are on the Olympic test event in Tokyo on August 15th and 16th. And the competition to make the Team USA 2020 Olympic team is really stiff. I believe the selection process includes automatic slots for the top two American women finishing in the top three at the event. If only one American woman finishes in the top three, they'll pick the next highest finisher from the top eight. And the third spot will be a discretionary selection made by a committee. So you finished the 2018 ranked second in the world and as the highest ranking member of a very strong American contingent. As you head into the test event, Do you do anything special to prepare for that race or do you just treat it like any other WTS race?
1: I would say it's a little bit of both because it definitely is different than any race and there's, I guess, obviously there's more on the line with the qualification, but also what I've learned is that I do the best racing when I just keep my focus on the process and that's what's gotten me success so far. So that's what I continue to focus on as I go into these races and um with Tokyo specifically though it could be the environmental conditions could be a lot hotter and so that's something we have to think about in advance so like the reason we're going to Flagstaff after Bermuda is to, because that's our plan for also for the test event in August and we want to try it out because we have two races in Japan so we're going to get a trial run to see okay like how does altitude prepare us for the heat and then how to and then like the travel from Arizona to Tokyo and then as long as Yokohama goes well then we can keep that same plan for Tokyo but if it didn't then we might want to make a few changes so um, it's nice to kind of have that opportunity to practice what we're going to do for the test event and it's definitely uh, at the forefront of my mind and I want to be best prepared. (laughs)
3: And Katie you mentioned working at the Olympic Training Center on on heat training and heat like acclimatization. I'm guessing that is specific to Tokyo. Did you learn anything? Is there anything you can share with us? Or is that need to be kept top secret?
1: <laughs> I don't think it needs to be kept top secret, but it was basically I just did a treadmill test in Tokyo like conditions. Like they have a room that's really cool that even though you're at altitude in Colorado Colorado Springs they can make it so that it's sea level and then also um, make the heat exactly what they would think heat and humidity, what they would think would be Tokyo. So for me, I did the test and the biggest takeaways were kind of just create an action plan based off of the results of that test. And also take into consideration that I was doing that test at the very end of my season, about a couple days after I did super league. So it wasn't like ideal timing, but it was good. And, It was nice to know that my biggest takeaway was, okay, I want to prepare for this heat, but I'm not completely terrible on the the treadmill test.
2: Katie, are you able to share for the listeners, (laughs) too, like what in Fahrenheit, you know, like conditions you were put to the test and like what pace on the treadmill you were doing for the test, just a
1: ballpark even? Yeah, I don't really remember. Um, it was
2: that much fun, huh?
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, the, the heat got to my brain. No, it's something I should pay attention to is the details. Um, no, I I wish I could. It's not because I'm trying to be secretive either. It's just because I, I have no idea. No, that's... I that want to just throw a number and be like,
2: Whoa that's like that stinks. <laughs> no I'm I'm kind of that way too is sometimes I'll just go do it and not even pay attention to necessarily those details. so I, I understand that. but <laughs> looking back at the 2016 Olympics in Rio, the qualification criteria were similar, and you finished sixth in the test event. but it wasn't enough to get an automatic slot on team USA since the Americans Gwen Jorgensen and Sarah True finished first and fourth respectively. You ultimately did get that third Olympic spot based on the USA triathlon objective ranking system. There was a lot of eyes on that at that time. And did you, and you did compete in Rio where you finished 18th. What did you learn in 2016 that you'll be taking into the test event and then hopefully on to 2020 Olympics?
1: I learned so much from 2016 because I was really disappointed with the actual outcome and also how I went about with like the Olympic experience. It's kind of, different because our race was the second to last day of the Olympics in Rio. So the whole time leading up to the Olympics, like our race, I was focused on our race and just treating it kind of like any other race. And then after the Olympics was basically over and I was really disappointed that I didn't take in the experience more. And I don't think that means I had to like expend more energy to do it, but just kind of feel the feels of being in, in such a cool experience and having such a really neat opportunity. So that's definitely one of those things that I want to carry into Tokyo. And also just, I made a lot of changes after that. I wasn't talking to like a sports psych regularly before Rio. And now since Rio, I've been talking to a sports psych regularly. I work with a nutritionist. I have like a much closer knit team around me and a am much more focused slash ownership into my own training that I probably didn't have before I just feel a little bit more mature from Rio where I was like going into it with high expectations for myself but didn't quite know how to balance them physically and emotionally to now I feel like I I'm controlling a bit of my training and mental capacity (laughs) going into this next qualification
2: And Katie, you were like the rookie at that point, right? And so now you're, you know, hopefully going in where you'll be more of a veteran in the process. What are like the team dynamics like in that sense? And, you know, how would you approach it from that sense? I mean, it's an individual sport, but you're going as Team USA. And, you know, how does that all work?
1: Well, I think it's really cool because once you get on the race course, everyone's racing for themselves, no matter if you're USA or any other country. So... Um, we have a pretty good like the USA women I would say are like pretty cohesive at their races and get along really well but then when you're racing I don't really pay attention pay attention much to other people I really like doing my own thing and focusing on that but it's interesting for Tokyo because we'll actually have a team relay so it goes from being the individual event for racing first but then you also have, the team relay a couple of days later which is um just going to be such an awesome awesome thing in tokyo and probably i think it'll be my favorite event but so it does create a team dynamic to it so it'll just be interesting to see like who's on the team men and women and um, whether the olympic distance individual race are the same racers as the mixed team relay
3: Right. Cause that does, that brings us to our next cre- or my next question, which was about the mixed team relay, which, because in the individual event, you'll have three people qualify, but the mixed team relay includes only uh, two men and two women from each country. So each athlete does a 300 meter swim, 7.4 K bike and 2 K run. So a very short triathlon before tagging off to the next athlete. And the order is always female, male, female, male. So you were on United States mixed relay teams that finished first and third in Nottingham and Hamburg, respectively, last year. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that, you know, what that experience is like and what do you think Team USA's mixed relay prospects are? You know, do they look pretty good for Tokyo?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I love the event because it's also, it's like Super League. It's also really unpredictable because you have to have four strong people in the race and you never know what can happen. And obviously all those little things like transitions and um, stuff like that, like they matter more in shorter races. And you're also depending on who's racing the events or who's racing in each team for each country. Um, the weaknesses are more exposed because if let's say the first girl rides in the pack for the whole time or gets dropped on the run, then we have to have a strong enough male to then bridge that gap. Like they may not be a pack swimmer for the swim anymore that you like you're used to for ITU racing. So it becomes more of a balance between draft legal and non-drafting short course racing, which I think is really cool. And one of the reasons I usually race the third position and I really like it because I like chasing. So if we're behind, I, f- I feel very motivated <laughs> to go after whosoever is in front of me. And it's really like single-minded where I don't have to think about what I'm doing. But I think the U- it's going to get more and more competitive for the U.S. versus other countries as we get closer to the Olympics. So I think countries who haven't even, we haven't even really noticed on the podium or racing, they're going to get stronger as everyone starts focusing more and more on the relay. So Team USA, like we really have to make sure that both our men and women are strong, whether they're with the group or by themselves and whichever, um, whichever happens.
2: Do you guys get to pick the order or how does that work? Because everyone's kind of coming together with their own coaches and strategies and likes and dislikes right so who gets the final say on the order
1: usually our usat high performance team they'll ultimately choose they they might ask for some like what our preferences would be or things like that but ultimately they're gonna go with what they think is gonna help us to win
3: katie what about how this changes your kind of olympic experience because now you go to the olympics with two events, you know, presumably that are a couple days apart. I mean, are you going to, do you get to practice kind of that, you know, tapering for two of two different events and like the mental of finishing that first event and then like being prepared to, you know, recover and get up and go again two days later.
1: Yeah. Luckily, I mean, super league really helps with that because it's back-to-back racing, but also we get a lot of practice with ITU as well, because um, like in Abu Dhabi there's the individual race and the mixed team relay Hamburg's the same Edmonton also has that so there's a few opportunities I think the difference will actually be it's a it'll be an Olympic distance race and typically when in the ITU schedule currently it's a sprint and that's paired with mixed team relay so we actually don't do the Olympic to the mixed team relay which will be in Tokyo so one thing for me that I like is I feel like I tend to back up, back myself up pretty well the second day. Um, so that kind of gives me confidence in like being able to perform well the day after racing or a couple days after. But it's definitely something to like be mindful of too, because you also have like two days after the race, which is when everyone's like, that's when you feel tired. It's like two days after, not so much the first day after. So, and then how will like the heat affect like? being able to recover and things like that. So I think really just for me, preparation gives me confidence. So practicing as much as that, as I can in training and the races leading up to that, it will hopefully help with being able to back up the Olympic distance to the relay.
2: And so Katie, Gwen definitely, Gwen Jorgensen definitely took people by surprise when she ended her triathlon career focusing on the marathon and namely her ultimate goal of adding to her triathlon olympic gold by winning the olympic marathon as well have you begun to think beyond 2020 like even just in your daydreams and do you have any comparable athletic aspirations other than in triathlon
1: not comparable to that no
2: um,
1: <laughs> my brain changes all the time so don't hold me to any (laughs) anything I tell you for now but um one one idea is that we'll try and start a family but I also think that we'll see what happens because with triathlon I really feel very new and I haven't felt tired of doing this for my lifestyle or the fact that i think i can keep improving i don't feel like i'm at the top of my game now and i don't know if i want to stop before i feel like i'm there but it probably will be done ITU racing either in 2020 or 2021 and then maybe try i've always wanted to try longer distance racing but <laughs> I haven't wrapped my head around Ironman yet. I've only wrapped my head as far as half Ironman <laughs> and then we'll, we'll see what happens from there. I've never done a half Ironman e- anyway. So I feel like to say I want to do an Ironman before I've even done a half would be pretty uh, ambitious.
3: Ah, uh, but we've seen you do really, really well in some non draft Olympic distance racing. Like I think you won <laughs> rev three Maine in 2013. You are running runner up at 2016's Escape from Alcatraz, so and just watching how you race, I, I think I would be super excited to see you jump into some 70.3s and Ironmans. You would do great. It'd be fantastic. Definitely, I I, I think it'd be very exciting. That makes me very excited.
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it'll like in my head, I'm like this this looks like it'll be good for me, but you never know until you try. <laughs>
2: And definitely, I think taking your lifestyle, if you're able to like carry on the ITU and Super League, like travel, like preparation and kind of carry that into the 70.3 circuit, I think it would set you up pretty well for success too.
3: So, and her problem solving abilities, like living in a tiny house yeah. and people <laughs> getting sick with the, co- co- you're made for ITU. Do Iron we have Man, you convinced yet? Yeah, about. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm there. 2021.
3: <laughs> <laughs> me awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much um, for coming on today. And if all of our listeners want to follow your adventures around the world, what's the best place to follow you?
1: Um, probably Instagram, is 6 uh, You can see all my photos from my personal photographer who comes along with me, my husband.
3: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. And good luck and safe travels to Singapore. We can't wait to watch you all year.
1: Uh, thank you so much.
3: Haley, a fun fact I forgot to ask Katie
2: about was if she remembers the time that I'm pretty sure we both were riding outside of Baltimore because she's from Baltimore, too, and we were like riding different directions and we both went by each other. And I remember looking and being like, she looks like she knows what she's doing. I bet she's that Katie at the time Hersey woman that like the newspaper says is an up and comer. So I'm pretty sure she'd remember. Maybe she thought she thought the same
3: thing about me. You knew her back then. I bet she seems pretty down to earth and pretty cool. I bet we should have asked her because I bet she would remember you or else she would at least said that she did. I'm a fan. I can't wait to watch Katie is on her road to Tokyo and which starts this weekend, Alyssa at the ITU WTS race in Abu Dhabi this weekend. So if anyone wants to watch that, you can go to triathlonlive.tv and I think you can buy a pass. And watch that WTS coverage and it's, they do a great job. They have like helicopters and, you know, cameras and everything. So, and then you can watch it later too. So if you're, uh, you're not in the Abu Dhabi time zone, you can, uh, save it for your next trainer ride. Perfect. We all
2: need some more trainer material. And also just a reminder to check out the show notes. We will be linking to Ashley Wild's book that you can support there on the Indiegogo site. And also, don't forget to support our sponsors like Zelios at teamzelios.com. Use the code IRONWOMEN for 20% off your order. Everything does help support the podcast as well. And also, while you're doing that, just leave us a rating and review us on whatever podcast podcast app you're using.
3: Well, Alyssa, safe travels to you and good luck this weekend. Good luck, Haley. Talk to you next week.
4: Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FTC Nutrition, and SmashFest Queen.